Okay, Luke 19. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as they had been told. As they were untying the colt, his owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down from to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling it is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. Brilliant. Thank you. We're going to, um, we're going to listen to that. Um, one more time. Essentially, what you've just heard was uh, the story of the coming of Jesus into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday, the entry of the king. And as, he, as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, the people, it said, uh, you heard more, I'd read it, said the whole crowd began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they'd seen, all the things that they were grateful to God for. And what I'm going to invite you to do is to join these um, smaller breakout groups. And in that group, just there's lots of things to pray for. There's lots of things that you go, God, we would want this to change. But actually, I'm not going to ask you to talk about that. What I'm going to ask you to talk about together is all the good things that you want to give thanks to God for. What I want to do is uh, just reflect with you uh, for a few minutes around the, uh, 
um, around this uh, Palm Sunday. This is a, a picture, and I'm kind of intrigued to know what you make of this picture. It's a picture by a French artist uh, called uh, James Tissot. 19th century and uh, I think I came across it this week on someone else's website and uh, I thought it's a good picture because as you what, look at the picture what you see is Jesus on the donkey uh, walking straight towards you it's you're sort of like you as a viewer you're smack in the middle of this picture and in uh, the nicest sense Jesus is walking right towards you and on the sides of the picture, you see the people who are cheering him, applauding him. And to, on, on his right there, on the right-hand side of the picture, you can see the Jewish rulers, the Pharisees, holding out their hands, saying, come on, what are you playing at? And then behind Jesus on the donkey, you see the disciples, the people who follow it's not a bad picture. Jesus in white coming towards you and your eye is drawn to him all the time. You're conscious of everything else that's happening in the picture, but you're kind of drawn to this middle figure. It's almost as though the artists want to say, well, what will you make of this man, the man on the donkey? Three things about the passage we read. The first is that you will see Jesus coming into Jerusalem. The destination was the city. He'd come from Jericho and was walking 20 kilometers. And then as he gets close to the city, he will lament. He'll say over that city, again, you heard, um, Morag, read it. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. And Luke says that as he was saying this, he was crying, lamenting that the city wouldn't change. God was in control. The king was going to come and be enthroned. But he wasn't going to take the city, but he would invite the city. If only you knew. If only you'd known what would bring you peace. But you didn't recognize the time of God's coming to you. Luke writes there in verse 44. The people didn't want the disruption. You didn't recognize the time of God's coming. Interesting that before, as we get into this sort of the, the run-up week to Easter, it begins with a lament, a lament over the fact that some people wouldn't receive the king, the lament that a city wouldn't change, that it wouldn't recognise the king. Through this, you've got a parade, a king's parade, but it's almost like a parody of a parade. Jesus had walked everywhere during his ministry, but here he gets a colt, a donkey, and he sets it up. He says to the disciples, go into uh, the village ahead, and as you find it, you'll find a colt tied, ready. No one's ever ridden it before. Untie it. And if anybody stops you and says, what are you doing with that? Just say, the Lord needs it. I don't think that was a prophetic word. I think, actually, it was almost like 
something Jesus had set up. I think it was like a code word. It was a, a, a sign that Jesus was coming in to the city and he set up how he was going to come in. The thing about um, cities and kings coming in is that kings would always ride into a city. They would ride in on big horses. They would ride in with the armies behind them. And here Jesus was doing two things. I think he was subverting that. But I think the other thing that he was doing was he was fulfilling prophecy. In Zechariah, in the Old Testament, a piece was written that said this. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. In other words, Jesus has chosen to come into the city in this way because he's acting out the hope that Zechariah had had for the exiles. Zechariah goes on, I'll take away the chariots from Ephraim, the war horses from Jerusalem, the battle bow will be broken. He, this king, will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. What a beautiful phrase. Even now I announce, I will restore twice as much to you. Jesus comes into the city and he's acting out this promise. He is the lowly king. He's riding on a donkey. But for you, prisoners of hope, you that have been in, imprisoned all your life, I will restore twice as much to you. You will not lose. And as he comes in, people put their cloaks on the floor and they shout in loud voices for all the miracles they'd seen blessed is the king who comes in the name of the lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest and of course those of us that have read luke's gospel are reminded that this has been said before it was said by angels to shepherds when Jesus was announced, that the birth of Jesus was announced, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Can you see the parallel? In the manger, the king had been born. In the city now, the king enters. It's all been building to this. It's all been leading to this. He will be king. And the people cheered and they praised God for the miracles they'd seen. They praised God because they'd seen the, 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 those who had been ill, healed. They'd seen the blind able to see. They'd seen the, the, the lame able to walk. They'd even seen the dead brought back to life. And you can understand how a crowd would go, come on now, take on the Romans, finish you off. Let's be free. And here comes Jesus walking, uh, seated on a donkey, coming into the city. And it's the king's triumph. But it's a triumph that is like one that no one imagined would happen. In this story, the next two, three chapters, 
are all about what Jesus does in the temple. The temple in Jerusalem was the place where people believed heaven touched earth. It was where God was most, most able to be known. And there's three chapters of Jesus in the temple. And it's almost as though Jesus is coming. And for example, the first thing that he does is he, he clears the temple. Do you remember when he goes in and he overturns all the money changers tables and says, this was designed to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And Jesus is sort of doing a symbolic action to say, look, this is what it was always meant to be. It was always meant to be the place where you'd meet with God. And he's going to say to everybody who will listen to him, this temple will be destroyed. And it was in AD 70. But what's going to happen is that Jesus himself is going to be the touching point between heaven and earth. The king's triumph. This is Palm Sunday. And in just a few days, they're going to take Jesus. These same people who are cheering, they're going to take Jesus and tell Pilate, to crucify him and on the cross he will he will achieve his victory and in one week's time on easter sunday when the grave is empty and the tombstone is rolled away new life will burst forth for him and for all of us you see i think what was going on on palm sunday is that the people what they expected was, can you change our way of life so it's like this, but better? And Jesus comes and he goes, no, there's a bigger story. It's bigger than a city. It's bigger than a temple. It's bigger than country. There's a new kingdom. And this king walks and like this picture, he walks towards us. He's a king who's in control, but he's not going to overwhelm. He's inviting a city to say, will you follow me? Will you come to me? And he's a king who comes towards us in the picture. And it's the king who still says, will you come to me? He's a king who subverts the expectations. This king won't do everything that you think a king should do. He'll do more, but he might not do it in the way you would expect. But this king walks towards you. Will you acknowledge this king? And this is a king who will go to the cross and he will defeat the things that destroy us. And so we're invited by this picture. Where are you? Where are you in this picture? Are you the crowd that goes, oh, if this is God, I hope he's going to do exactly what I want. And then get disappointed. Are you at the top of the right hand corner there the people who think they're in control maybe this these very strange days when we're dealing with what it means not to be in control we're struggling because we thought we were able to control things and maybe sometimes it's a bit like that with god you kind of think you know what god should do and and yet it doesn't seem to happen or are you following or are you right in front looking at the picture and jesus is looking at you and inviting you 
to come close to him. This Palm Sunday is a day when you're invited to meet with Jesus. This is the king who comes. This is the king who comes close. This is the king who comes to you and invites you to make him king. Before the service began this morning, um, Jill got in contact with me and uh, she said that she had something that she felt the Lord wanted to share with all of us. And so I'm going to unmute Jill and Jill, I'm going to give you a chance just to share what you would wish. Always hey. a dangerous thing to do. <laughs> um, I, um, I've been praying in the week and um, I just felt again um, a sort of reminder that God is like a potter. Um, now, earthly potters, um, they don't know until a pot comes out of the kiln uh, what state it's going to be in. Uh, that's the point at which they discover all its flaws and all the things that are wrong with it. And by that stage, there's nothing they can do. So they bring pots out of the, out of the kiln and they find them cracked or they find them uh, distorted. And all they can do is break the pot and throw it away. Um, but I feel like God is saying, um, actually, I'm the only one who can take a distorted, broken pot and remould it, reform it, um, even though it seems hard and like it's not going to change its shape. I'm the only one who can change that and reshape it. Um, and there are all kinds of things around us that are being shaken and changed. The education system, obviously close to my heart, the health system, financial systems, the political system, all these sort of fundamental things that seem so inflexible and so hard, but God is shaping them. And um, just as a kind of prophetic image to help you picture this, um, I sent Neil um, an image uh, of something, a, a Japanese art, which is called uh, Kintsugi. I apologize to anyone who actually knows how that's supposed to be pronounced and I've got it entirely wrong. Um, but until it comes on the screen, I'm just going to describe it. Yeah, describe it. <laughs> okay, so um, this is um, where the Japanese take uh, broken pottery um, and they piece it back together. And um, obviously they sort of use glue and sort of adhesives and stuff. But what they um, do is they ornament all the cracks with gold and silver. Um, and the idea behind it is that the thing that's broken and reformed is more beautiful than what it was before. And, um, you know, that's, I, I hear that this morning about people, hear that this morning about institutions. Um, and I just feel really strongly that God is saying that this isn't a moment for, you know, sort of people, um, you know, a kind of hallmark kindness where people come out of themselves and at the end of this we can turn around to each other and say we made it through because of ourselves. It was because of our resilience. It was because we, we had it all sorted. Um, we got through this. I think God is bringing heaven kindness down to earth. Um, and all we will be able to say at the end of this is God was here. God was here. 
God moved us. God changed us. Thank you, Jill. We're going to take communion together. And uh, you get your, whatever you've got with you. This is how we're going to do it. Um, I want to read to you uh, what Paul says to the church about communion. Communion originally, of course, was linked to Passover. Passover always happened in people's homes. Still does. The reminder, uh, uh, Jews would remember it um, each week at the Sabbath. But we eat together. And what Paul said was this, was I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he, in Jerusalem, was the place where people believed heaven touched earth. It was where God was most, most able to be known. And there's three chapters of Jesus in the temple. And it's almost as though Jesus is coming. And, for example, the first thing that he does is he... He clears the temple. Do you remember when he goes in and he overturns all the money changers' tables and says, this was designed to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And Jesus is sort of doing a symbolic action to say, look, this is what it was always meant to be. It was always meant to be the place where you'd meet with God. And he's going to say to everybody who will listen to him, this temple will be destroyed. And it was in AD 70. But what's going to happen is that Jesus himself is going to be the touching point between heaven and earth. The king's triumph. This is Palm Sunday. And in just a few days, they're going to take Jesus. These same people who are cheering are going to take Jesus and tell Pilate to crucify him and on the cross he will he will achieve his victory and in one week's time on easter sunday when the grave is empty and the tombstone is rolled away new life will burst forth for him and for all of us you see i think what was going on on palm sunday is that the people what they expected was, can you change our way of life so it's like this, but better? And Jesus comes and he goes, no, there's a bigger story. It's bigger than a city. It's bigger than a temple. It's bigger than country. There's a new kingdom. And this king walks and like this picture, he walks towards us. He's a king who's in control, but he's not going to overwhelm. He's inviting a city to say, will you follow me? Will you come to me? And he's a king who comes towards us in the picture. And it's the king who still says, will you come to me? He's a king who subverts the expectations. This king won't do everything that you think a king should do. He'll do more, but he might not do it in the way you would expect. But this king walks towards you. 
will you acknowledge this king? And this is a king who will go to the cross and he will defeat the things that destroy us. And so we're invited by this picture. Where are you? Where are you in this picture? Are you the crowd that goes, oh, if this is God, I hope he's going to do exactly what I want and then get disappointed? Are you at the top of the right hand corner there? The people who think they're in control, maybe this, these very strange days when we're dealing with what it means not to be in control. We're struggling because we thought we were able to control things. And maybe sometimes it's a bit like that with God. You kind of think you know what God should do and and yet it doesn't seem to happen or are you following or are you right in front looking at the picture and Jesus is looking at you and inviting you to come close to him this Palm Sunday is a day when you're invited to meet with Jesus this is the king who comes this is the king who comes close. This is the king who comes to you and invites you to make him king.